Hi, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Sternova Strategic Edge, a bi-weekly audio business program where we explore emerging strategies in strategic innovation from the edges of the business ecosystem. In this shorter companion program to our bi-weekly Stranova interview podcast, we explore the implications of some of the newest strategic trends in business from all over the world and present them every other week, alternating with our regular interview series. So, thanks for tuning in, and let's get started with this episode of Stranova Strategic Edge. The last time you heard sounds like these, you were probably watching one of our modern science fiction films with very high-end computer graphics effects for the ultimate combination of a dramatic vision and ultra-realism. The standard for those computer graphics effects owes a great deal to the vision George Lucas brought to his breakthrough film Star Wars back in 1977 which raised the bar for what all future contenders would have to do just to get screen time from any of us viewers. What will surprise you about whatever the most recent best film example that came to mind when you heard these opening sounds, however, was how much of it was produced outside of the United States instead of being produced in an American company like Lucas's own justly celebrated Industrial Light and Magic. In this episode of Stranova Strategic Edge, we're going to take a look at how it is that the estimated $50 billion computer graphics and animation business has moved from being a predominantly U.S. big company business with large capitalizations required to run any part of it to become a truly globally available business capability available with outstanding quality and creativity from almost every corner of the world. Just to give you an idea of how pervasive this change has become, consider that major special effects in movies like The Matrix Reloaded, Moulin Rouge, and 2005's Stealth were actually all produced by a single Australian production company, Animal Logic. And last month, the movie Hoodwinked was released, a brand new animated retelling of the Little Red Riding Hood story, featured major Hollywood stars in the voice leads, high animation, and with a major part of the animation carried out entirely in the Philippines. How did this shift in computer graphics animation business come to pass? Well, it started initially with the pressure that innovative movie makers like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg put on the special effects industry, with the sudden multi-pronged jolts of key movies like Star Wars, E.T., and the Indiana Jones Chronicles from the late 1970s through the early 1980s. This hyper-realism became the only acceptable way to make these kinds of movies in the old ways using just carefully crafted models and other older techniques weren't enough. You had to visualize the previously unseen that had in the past either been very roughly rendered or relegated to the imagination off screen. In 1982, a company called Silicon Graphics, founded by the same pioneer Jim Clark who later founded Netscape, was created in anticipation of the many changes that might come to pass in this brave new world of animation by designing specialized computer desktop systems and later high-end graphic supercomputers just for the specialized industry. With the added application software provided by companies like Silicon Graphics, Alias Wavefront with their world-renowned Maya animation tools, and yes, even the Oscar-winning RenderMan software from Pixar Animation, yet another company founded by George Lucas and sold very early in its existence to Steve Jobs of Apple Computer Inc., 
The business of computer animation took off in the 1980s and 1990s, making possible such breakthrough computer graphics successes as the realistic far-future devastation of James Cameron's Terminator movie saga, the vividly alive and frightening dinosaurs of Jurassic Park, and the three-dimensional characters of Toy Story and Finding Nemo. But all that required investments of literally hundreds of millions of dollars of equipment and software, plus the highly educated and uniquely skilled animators who combine engineering brilliance with artistic alchemy to bring us their creations. And all of that, with few exceptions, was only possible in a narrowly available group of creative professionals who in turn mostly lived in the United States. So how did this strategic edge shift so strongly between, say, the mid-1990s and present day, so that so-called developing countries could take a major leadership role in computer graphics' future? As in many of the modern high-tech business ecosystems, the dependencies here are many. On the equipment side of it all, the continuing march of Moore's Law was quickly making what we used to think of as only possible as supercomputers was now feasible with high-end multiprocessor desktops built from the same commodity chips we have in our own desktop personal computers and ganged together in large groups for rendering. A second key was one involving intellectual property, where a combination of critical licensing deals with graphic chip suppliers and the expiration of some of the earliest patents born at the beginning of this era of computer graphics made it possible, along with those higher-powered desktops, to put state-of-the-art computer animation in combined systems costing less than one-tenth what the old supercomputer systems used to be. Next, consider how the rise in importance of computer software in an increasingly wide variety of products that affect every part of our lives has created a shortage of key talent in the developed countries, which in turn has made our software engineer salaries rise far more dramatically than in many other employment categories. And so, in turn, that has made it very interesting for countries outside the U.S. who are looking for their own strategic edge to build up their own software capabilities. Initially, these engineering groups were set up primarily to do things like bug fixing, customer support, and less creative subroutine development. But with that has come the building up of entire infrastructures with major university programs, country tax incentives for developing software businesses, especially throughout the Far East, India, and Asia, so that now we are beginning to see many new software companies popping up throughout those regions with original software creations. And in the computer animation business, there are now major originating studios throughout the region, including Hong Kong Centro, Singapore's Egg Story Production Group, which plans its first major release in 2008, Kung Fu Gecko, and India's Toon Animation and the Philippines' many studios, including Beanstalk and Naval Productions. George Lucas himself has moved on this trend as well by opening the Singapore branch of Lucasfilm Studios in October of 2005. All of these groups are producing high-quality original films which pay attention both to the technology and the storytelling that are both part of Pixar's lessons to all the startups about what makes computer-animated films successful. This is far from a flash that will burn out soon, in part because the cost of producing these outside of the U.S. animation efforts is dramatically lower than that of the U.S., with estimates of costs as low as 30% of the American equivalents. As further information on one of the first examples we talked about in this essay, the movie Hoodwinked, in broad release only last month, cost only a reported $15 million versus $70 to $90 million for films like Finding Nemo or Shrek 2 in large part because virtually all the production was carried out in the Philippines. Because of its combination of lower costs and high quality, 
It is estimated that the Philippine animation industry alone could take as much as 25% of the world market within a few years. So what's the message for you listening to this? The big story here is that we're seeing a very different kind of business transformation now as this particular ecosystem evolves. And the story in this is, unlike the very recent stories of other products that have moved their manufacturing from developed to developing countries, with low-cost labor and cheap factories taking over, and us in America talking about how our jobs are moving overseas. No, this is not what we've had drilled into us in endless news reports on television as outsourcing that may cause the doom of various industries. It is instead about a high-tech business moving out in a truly global fashion, with highly skilled designers and developers working on state-of-the-art equipment to produce the highest end results imaginable. And, while the costs of the labor in these other countries are indeed lower than in the U.S., we need to remember that, first of all, the salaries that are paid outside the U.S. are still high relative to the local costs of living. We also need to consider that any company's prices can only stay high without competition, foreign or otherwise. We have entered a new age where the word outsourcing itself should be put away forever, and all of us should wake up to embrace the new reality of what global competition will become in the information technology business of the 21st century. In addition to our podcast interviews and strategic edge reflections on current trends and innovations, we here also provide high-end services as a resource to businesses interested in becoming more innovative and honing their own strategic edge. We work with you to understand how your particular business ecosystem functions, the core of your essence within it, and your organization's capacity for transformation, and then help guide strategic change from within to help you drive your company to an entirely new level of competitiveness and financial performance. With our over 30 years of experience leading strategic innovation in high-tech organizations, we know we can help. If you'd like to learn more, please contact us at ideas at stranova.com. Coming soon on Stranova, we will be featuring interviews with two very different innovative ventures involving the application of mentoring to transform businesses by connecting current and future leaders across company lines and across national boundaries. Listen in for the first of these interviews when it goes live on the Internet on Monday, February 27th. That's our show for this week, and thanks for listening. If you have comments on this week's show or suggestions for topics or guests for future shows, please contact us by email at ideasofstranova.com at our Stranova comment line at 1-408-849-4394 or via Skype by clicking on the link on our homepage. You can also join in our conversation by connecting with us on our Stranova blog by clicking the link on our homepage or going directly to blog.stranova.com. We look forward to your thoughts and the growing dialogue we're building on the intersection of strategy and innovation. This recording is copyright 2006 by Brad Redderson, and this is Brad Redderson thanking you for joining us this time at Stranova Strategic Edge.